0: Welcome to another New Criterion podcast. Today is September the 21st. I'm Eric Simpson, associate editor of New Criterion. I'm here with Jay Nordlinger, my good friend, our music critic and senior editor for National Review. Jay, happy new season. Thank you, Eric. Happy new season to you. Thank you very much. Uh, the um, I didn't see you there, but the the New York Philharmonic opened on, uh, on Tuesday night, mm. and I, I guess as the first of our big three, as you might call them in New York, uh, that, that means we're already underway. So yeah. I guess we're a couple days behind, but that's fine. And it's still a little humid in New York. It's, it's it's kind of hot and humid. I would say it's more than a little humid. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty sticky. Um, but it was actually a good night there. They they played a really, really good Mahler five, which they'll be repeating over the weekend um, alongside, I think, a new double piano concerto by Philip Glass. Yes. Are you going to go hear that?
1: Yes, I am. Yeah, and is is Yap on the podium?
0: He is good.
1: Yeah, the music director designate, or is Didn't, he full on? No,
0: music director designate, or music director elect, or right. whatever you like to call right. it. No, but it was it was a very very good concert. Although they they passed out these, uh, maybe I shouldn't say although I, they they passed out in every program. I wonder if they're going to do this for the um, for later concerts as well. They included this little sleeve of. Um, trading cards. New York Philharmonic musician trading cards. Yeah. It's just a gimmick. Right? Yeah, but... Yeah. Well, we'll see if they do maybe, it
1: throughout the season. And you maybe know, you I'll, can collect the whole string section. <laughs> that is fun. Um, I wonder uh, who will be the Honus Wagner. Yeah, right. Of the New York yeah. Philharmonic. I'll uh, have to I'll, say... I'll
0: give you two Frank Wongs for... <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I am... I'll forgive the New York Philharmonic almost anything. I'm really very surprised that they chose Jot van Sweden to be their music director. Hmm. Uh, because, if I can put it this way, he is nothing but a great conductor. That's hmm. all he is. He doesn't give you anything politically. He's not sort of sexy politically or multiculturally. Um, He's nothing but a great conductor, not known as a champion of new music, all that stuff that presenting organizations and publicists like. He is just a great conductor. And I'm amazed and thrilled that he's going to be a music director here. And I hope that the establishment, so to speak, will give him a chance because he really doesn't give you anything except great conducting. Mm. And I wonder if that he doesn't talk about, you know, downtown and being hip. He doesn't do trends. He's not faddish. He's just a great conductor.
0: Yeah. Media establishment t- types like yeah. us, you mean?
1: Yeah. No. Well, not like you mean. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I, we're, we're, I, we're asterisks, aren't we? I suppose. You and I, though, have, we've uh, we've gone back and forth on him a little bit. I do. I agree with you. He is a great conductor. I, we heard it on Tuesday night with the smaller five. And and if anybody hears this in time, um, since this won't come out until uh, Friday afternoon at the earliest, uh, you should go hear it this weekend with the Phil. Um I, I do think that one of the, maybe the, great achievements of Alan Gilbert's era was that they, uh, because the New York Philharmonic was devoted to presenting contemporary music, they they really got a seat at a very crowded musical table in New York. You know, every night they're, maybe, maybe competing is the wrong word, but in the sense, you know, you are competing for people's, uh, for people's cultural dollars. And they've got the Met. They've got Carnegie Hall, both in the same town. Um, and it really, I think, bought them at a, t- a seat at a table where they're competing on a nightly basis with the Met and the Berlin Phil. And I'm not sure that Yap is going to continue that. On the other hand, maybe what they really need right now mm. is just a guy who can whip them into shape and make them sound great playing the standard rep.
1: Well, if people don't, if the public doesn't want to go hear Yap on Sweden, then the public is an ass. And I'm not sure what to do about that.
0: Yeah. That's our prelude.
1: That's, That's our, our prelude, yeah, our
0: overture. So we got yeah. the, we we've started with the New York Phil. Um, the next big opening, I would say, is coming up uh, this Monday at the Met, and so we're going to take you through the end of the fall semester of of music, up right up through uh, New Year's Eve, I guess. Yes, and um, and look at some of our highlights. I've got this eight page printout of notes here in front of me of what's going on at all the various. Uh, large venues and a couple of smaller ones as well. Yeah. So,
1: do you want? Uh, what venue do you want to do first, or organization? Well, we're on the fill. Do you want to stick with Monday the
0: fill? On the fill, sure. We always start with the mat. I think it's it's good to let somebody else lead off.
1: All right. Well, I have Yat von Sweden kind of blanketly. Right. He's worth hearing, whatever the repertoire. I think. And then more specifically, um. Here's a violinist we don't always agree on, Eric. <laughs> and that's Joshua Bell, who's playing the Bernstein uh, Serenade with the Phil. Yes. And I think it's one of Bernstein's best pieces of classical music. I would I'm, agree with you on that. I'm skeptical that much of his classical music will last. Of course, his musical theater will last forever. But I, I think that the Serenade, which is really a violin concerto, he doesn't call it that, you know, Plato's Symposium and all this stuff, I think it's a bit pretentious. It's a violin concerto. I think his violin concerto uh, will last. And it's being, I believe, given two performances in this so-called fall semester by Joshua Bell, and I believe at Carnegie Hall with another orchestra by Hilary Hahn.
0: Yes, I believe it's Philadelphia giving it. Mm, yeah, It, of course, is a big big year for Bernstein.
1: We're yes, up on it's the centennial of his birth. So he's 1917, the year America entered the war. Right. Uh, I have a little more Bernstein at the Phil... They have a wonderful clarinetist, formerly principal clarinet at the Met, Anthony McGill, and he is playing, again, I think this is one of Bernstein's best pieces of classical music, although it's pretty darn jazzy, (laughs) His Prelude, Fugue, and Riffs. And so I look forward to McGill on that. And I also have, I think, my last New York Phil item. One of the great players of the Bartok Second Concerto of all time is Yefim Bronfman. He gave by far the best performance of it many years ago that I have ever heard. It's one of the hardest concertos extant, too, technically. And so Bronfman is playing uh, the, the Bartok second uh, at the very end, end of the year. And the, um, the conductor is Bramwell Tovey. Man, is it hard. And by the way, one of the things that we have very few recordings of Bartok as a pianist. And one of the things that, that let you know that Bartók was a virtuoso pianist is that all the music he wrote, all the piano music, he wrote for himself to perform and show off with. Hmm. He had a lot of technique, that guy.
0: Well, I'm going to come uh, later to another virtuoso pianist who's writing for himself, hmm. but I've got a oh, couple yes. of, uh, of items from, uh, from the Phil. The first that I've got down, John Andrea Nozeda. Uh, music director of the National Symphony Orchestra, among others, will be leading uh, leading a concert that includes Frank Huang, the concertmaster, playing the Saint-Saens Violin Concerto Number no. Three. This, to me, is um, it's in this category of sort of show violin concerti, in the same the same category as the, uh, for instance, Viotti and um, Vignyovsky. They're sort of they're not really standard, standard rep in the overall concert literature, but every violinist knows them. Every violinist plays them. And they're sort of fun violin-y pieces. Um, they really show off the color of the instrument. They, they show off uh, a player's technique and range, even if we don't put them on the same pedestal as Beethoven and Mendelssohn and Tchaikovsky.
1: Look, not every piece of music can be the Bach B minor mass, Nor <laughs> nor should it. Indeed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the other one that I have is uh, just the following week, actually. Uh, Christoph von Dachnani, um with Emanuel Axe playing Mozart, Piano Concerto Number 27. Um, they'll be doing Brahms, Symphony Number 2. And uh, this is listed kind of strangely. Brent Sorensen, Evening Land. All they tell us on the New York Philharmonic website is that it's a world premiere and a New York Philharmonic co-commission. I don't know if it's a concert overture. I don't know if it's a, a tone poem. It could be a piano concerto, for all I know. Hmm. Um, all we know is that it's on there. I think it's probably an, oomph. an oomph.
1: oomp. An oomp.
0: O O M P. Yes.
1: Obligatory opening modern piece. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: well, I just want to say about uh, about Manny Ax that he's with so many so many players as they kind of get later and later in their careers. A lot of them, you start to wonder why they're still. Why they're still at it, and they really start to lose it. I I heard Emmanuel Ax at um, the mostly or not mostly Mozart, um, the Tanglewood Festival this summer, and he just he sounded unbelievable. He's he's still got it. There's absolutely no question. He played played the Beethoven Emperor Concerto, and it was it was an astonishing performance. And he can keep going until he's eighty for all I care. Mm. Is that it for the fill, Eric? If that Can covers you? us for the fill, where yeah. do you want to go next? I feel like we've alluded to some stuff at Carnegie Hall, so maybe we should all right. tackle that now.
1: I think that's my longest list. It's definitely I my it. longest yeah. list. Go ahead, you start,
0: Eric. Um, all right. Well, the first thing chronologically that I've got is uh, the Orchestra of St. Luke's under Pablo Jerez Casado. In a way, I guess it's kind of New York's third orchestra. We uh, we we know we obviously know about the New York Phil. We know about the Met. Um, the orchestra of St. Luke's is one that I think not as many people know about. They have a shorter season. But it's a great ensemble. And they, they perform, I think, three concerts every year at Carnegie Hall. Um, and Harris Casado is a fantastic conductor. I remember in particular a Carmen that he led at the Met that was just outstanding. And they're leading. He's, he's leading a program that includes Beethoven's First Symphony and that wonderful Mozart Mass in C Minor yeah. um, that starts with the uh, the famous Kyrie, which is one of the great choral excerpts of anything. One of the great works of art. I have a sort of and friends recital. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Thomas Adas and Friends. Thomas Adas, I would say primarily probably, is known as a composer, but he's also an exceptional, collaborative pianist is the term these days.
1: Um, and also, he's an exceptional just plain pianist. Yes.
0: I, I He's somebody else I, I got to hear this summer at Tanglewood. He was the uh, pianist for a performance of the Trout Quintet. And it was... He, he was kind of the star of it. Yes. Um,
1: he recorded the Trout Quintet as, at the same time as his own piano quintet.
0: So they're doing a program of Schubert, Stravinsky, Purcell. Addis uh, and four singers, uh, Sally Matthews, soprano, Yeston Davies, countertenor, Joseph Kaiser, tenor, and the wonderful mezzo-soprano Alice Koot. She certainly, she certainly knows both her, her leader and her contemporary music as well and does both very well.
1: Yes, uh, and Sally Matthews is a superb soprano. I remember hearing her with Colin Davis and I believe Haydn's Creation and uh, I'm not sure I've heard her since, and she's I would say a, a, a consummate—Bill Buckley used to say consummate. <laughs> um, I think it's either or British singer. I want to say she's um, beautiful, tasteful, reserved, and yet there's emotion underneath. She's really one of my favorite singers, Sally Matthews, and 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 Odysseus is, is a brilliant musician, no doubt. Mm. Mine's chronological. Uh, my next one would be uh, a recital by Elisa Weilerstein, the cellist. I've got that, too. Yeah. That includes a new piece by Stephen Mackey. I think she is simply one of the great instrumentalists going. Mm-hmm. And so I would hear her in anything, at any time. So this, for me, is a is a no-brainer. I think yeah. she's a great musician, a great player. Those two things are a little bit different. I think she's both. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I've got... Um, A visit from Sir Antonio Papano and his Santa Cecilia Orchestra from from Italy. And um, they are doing two of the Respighi tone poems. Hmm. And uh, I I, I love Papano, just love him. And uh, it was my desire for many years, 10, 15 years, that he succeed James Levine at the Met. uh, But it was not to be. Uh, He is a great musician both in the opera and orchestral repertoire, and a keen pianist as well. From what I've heard of him, I've heard chamber music and also songs with Joyce Di Donato. He's a phenomenon.
0: You love, uh, love Papano. Do you love Respighi?
1: I do. I, I do love some of the songs. I, I love the uh, Fountains of Rome. Mm. And uh, yes, as, as British people say, I make a lot of time for for Respighi, hmm. you dissent. He's a little loud for me, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. Again, well, I say the same. I say the same thing I say about that Sans Violin Concerto. There's room for that. There you, is. You wouldn't want a steady yes. diet of it. But there's, but there's a reason this music has lasted so long. I think it's true. I guess for
0: me, it's that it, it feels loud and it feels long, and. And especially when you put a few of them together, yeah, that that, that you that end up with, with a very loud, long. But concert. I tell you,
1: much depends on the conducting. Hmm. Much depends on the conducting, on the calibration of the thing. I once heard Lauren Mazzel do the po- fountains. I think when he was on, 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 never slicker, never more alert, never more musical, never more charismatic, and that let me know how much goodness, indeed greatness, is in this piece.
0: Hmm. Um, we've got a Renee Fleming recital um, with Elon Barnaton who's the same pianist who will be with uh, Elisa Weilerstein
1: yeah.
0: program of uh, songs by Brahms, Andre Previn, Strauss, Caroline Shaw and a couple of others. It's funny there is there is so much made of the um, of the the Renee Fleming retirement tour with uh, with de last year which turned out, not to be a retirement tour, or maybe it still is. She doesn't really tell us.
1: Retirement from opera, I think, was the claim. Yeah,
0: Yeah. although apparently that's not uh, set in stone anymore either. Right, right. Who can blame her? But there was a a funny anecdote. Last year when they were announcing, when Carnegie Hall held kind of a a press thing to to announce their season, it was announced that uh, Marilyn Horne is retiring from the wonderful series she does uh i think it's called the song continues Mm -hmm. it's a a week of master classes and um and recitals by young singers and finally there's a sort of culmination recital at the end of the week and renee fleming is going to be taking over this and she said something very funny when, when she was introduced which was i'm paraphrasing I've had to sing a lot of opera in my career and to to get to devote myself entirely to art song now is a real treat. Hmm. Which is an amazing thing to hear from the woman that we think of as the great American opera diva of her time.
1: But also she has sung a boatload of songs like Sure she has. A boatload of songs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's an orchestral concert I want to highlight. I referred earlier to... Um, to Daniel Trifonov.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, he is giving a recital on October the 28th, but also.
1: I have it here, Eric. It's in yeah. 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 It's a Mariinsky. And uh begins with the Strauss Don Juan mm-hmm. and Trifonov's own, and then the Rokofiev Sixth Symphony. He He's one of these pianos who roll their own. It's very, very satisfying. Yeah. I'm delighted he's doing that. And his recital is called uh, Homage à Chopin. Mm-hmm. He's playing um, uh, pieces by other composers that are related to Chopin or in tribute to Chopin. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, here's, here's a pianist rather like Trifonov, or I should say Trifonov is like him, and that's Marc-André Hamelin. He's playing a recital, and he plays out-of-the-way music, throwback music. There's a lot of Liszt here, a sonata by Samuel Feinberg. He's playing some Leopold Godofsky, There was another virtuoso pianist who composed. And so uh, Hamelin is of that school. And I imagine that at encore time, he'll play something of his own. He often does. Hmm.
0: We have uh, two concerts by, or no, three actually, by the Israel uh, Philharmonic.
1: Yeah, I highlighted Uh, one of them. Which one did you? Well, well, uh, Mehta is a a very distinguished conductor of the Mahler Third. Hmm. It's a piece he's conducted for many, many years. He's lived with it for a long time. And uh, I look forward to hearing it. I highlighted the other two. Did you? So we got the we got yeah, the we whole got it all covered. covered.
0: Um, so uh, they're doing on the first of the three concerts. Jeff and is playing Beethoven's Piano Concerto Number no. Three, which should be very good. Uh, and also, they're playing Strauss's "I'm Heldenleben," uh, which is one of those classic kind of concertos for concertmaster and orchestra. So, oh, a...
1: Eric, do you like that piece?
0: I do. Do you, do you not?
1: No, I really don't. Or the Domestic Symphony. But I, well, that, I, I that, like, I, that I'm with I, you I on, like them but. both better than I used to. I don't even like Don Quixote that much. <laughs> I'm, but I'm learning to like these Strauss pieces more than I once did. You know what he said at the end of his life to Hans Hotter. Now, this may have to be taken with a grain of salt because he was talking with a singer. But at the end of his long, long life, Strauss said, I like my songs best. Hmm. I think I do, too. I like
0: his songs and his operas.
1: Yeah.
0: Both ends of the spectrum with his operas too. I mean I I love Rosenkavalier, and I love Elektra and and uh, and Salome every bit as much. Yeah. And um,
1: Frau on a shot and I would say as well.
0: It's it's funny. If you in case you missed it, Jay just did this fun blog post on uh, the worst pieces, most major pieces by great composers, uh with some reader submissions, and I think one of the submissions was a Strauss tone poem.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was also also Strauss. Uh, yeah. Sorry, through Strauss. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it can get a little unwieldy. I'll yeah, I'll grab It's that. still Strauss. Yeah. yeah. It's still, it's still Strauss.
1: Alpine Symphony, still Strauss. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and then he did have a vocal gift, though, didn't he? And then the um, the other one. The, so we've, we'll cover them all. The third uh, third Israel Phil concert, uh, we have. This is going to be a long concert, actually. Weber Overture to Oberon. Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto with Gil Shaham. He, to me, is a, a superb interpreter of that piece and one of the great violinists of our time. And he'll probably play Bach as an encore and he'll probably do it very well. And then Schubert Symphony No. 9, uh, the C major oh, symphony. Oh my goodness, that is great. a long program. Yeah, it's going to be Holy it's <laughs> two and a half hours of intermission. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. I love that symphony so much. I will, I will sit through anything to hear it. Uh, and it's, it's funny. I feel like it's not done very often.
1: Maybe it's the, hard the to Schubert part 9? With
0: the Schubert Nine, huh? I mean, it's, it's, it's by no means out in the weeds of the repertoire. But it's, it strikes me that everybody knows it's a wonderful symphony. It's, it's got the great as its as its moniker. But I, I don't think you hear it more than maybe three times in ten years in New York.
1: Yep. Who was it who referred to its heavenly length? I think I was don't Ch- know. Chopin or Schumann. Yeah. I don't know, but to me, Sometimes it feels perfect. perfect. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have um, at one of these Mariinsky Orchestra concerts conducted by Valery Gergiev. Dennis Matsuev is playing the Prokofiev Piano Concerto Number no. Two, and I predict he will play the Daylights out mm. of it. And uh, I. I I recommend it highly. Wasn't it the
0: Prokofi of Piano Concerto Number 2 that set off your uh, your reader contest? for? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, the piece is growing on me. Uh, it's growing on me. I, um, Yefim Bronfman thinks it's an excellent piece, so, so do a great many others whose opinion I respect. What do you think of it?
0: Well, it was, as I recall, it was in that... Um, you remember that kind of Prokofi of Piano Concerto binge that Mariansky did at BAM a couple of years ago? No. Oh, they did. Uh, they did a night where they did all five pian- Prokofiev piano concerti mm. uh, with five different pianists, and it was funny. It did that. It did not stick out to me as the weakest one.
1: Mm.
0: Which which is the one for left hand only? Four. Four. Four.
1: Yeah.
0: I really felt bad for the guy who who got stuck with that. It was it was like I think it was the fellow who came in third in this year that year's Tchaikovsky competition. It it really felt like half a concerto. There are concerti for the left hand that are brilliant. I think Ravel's. Piano Concerto for the left hand is, is, well, it's one of my favorite pieces by Ravel. But the Prokofiev mm-hmm. feels like half a concerto.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I always thought that number two was just a bunch of bombast and a lot of notes. And I couldn't believe that it was written by the composer of the first piano concerto and the third piano concerto, not to mention, you know, Romeo and Juliet, mm. Cinderella, and so on. But I must say, I see the point of that G minor concerto, and I really see the point of it. It has grown on me which just shows that you have to stick with something. Yeah. And by the way, when I was younger, much younger, I didn't think very much of Fidelio, though I had Beethoven. <laughs> I didn't think very much of it at all. And then um, then I saw. Then I saw. So I, I, I want to say to you about Fidelio, give it time. Yeah. Give it time. Look, I didn't even like Wagner. I didn't like Verity. At the, Verity, of the t- you know, the Requiem was, of course a work of genius and La Traviata was perfect but there all these stupid italian ditties accompanied by this oompah-pah how could the man who wrote that requiem have written these stupid nothing trivials or pop musicy things i always say the older i get the wiser verity becomes now i'm just besotted with the guy and i think that the i i i'd listen to his
0: sneezes <laughs> i'll keep listening for the sneezes in fidelio okay um there's a weird, uh, but because of its weirdness, kind of attractive quartet program. The Modigliani Quartet in Weill Hall, named after, I guess, uh, one of my favorite modernist painters, is playing the Brahms. Not, not Weill, but Modigliani. Modigliani, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the Brahms String Quartet Number One, you know, perfectly, uh, perfectly standard fare, and then Puccini, *Crisantemi* mm. uh, uh, for string quartet yeah. and Sansong string quartet number one in E minor neither mm. piece do I neither neither piece I know mm. um, but just the idea of Puccini writing for string quartet is enough to get somebody
1: curious into the concert hall there are a few non-operatic works yeah and, and that's one of them and some songs recorded by Roberto Alagna for example right. that's think, not a great deal I think Verdi wrote something for string quartet actually yes I think so too I can't tell you what it is right now
0: yeah uh I also want to say before we before we stray too far from that uh, Mariinsky concert that they're doing Shostakovich Symphony number no. 9 um, Gergiev is a conductor who does Shostakovich really well and the Mariinsky orchestra is an orchestra that plays Shostakovich really well. I remember hearing them play I think it was the 8th um a couple of years ago and it was one of the most devastating concerts that I've uh, that I attended that year, um, so I think it's worth going just to hear that. Even if the Prokofiev Second Piano Concerto doesn't quite strike your fancy,
1: yeah. Chicago, uh, the uh, I said Chicago, I meant to say Shostakovich. The Ninth is a funny symphony. It's his Mozart symphony, his classical symphony. Mm-hmm. And he he so wanted it. He wanted to do something at variance with the tradition of a grand and immortal Ninth. Right. He was sort of scared of a Ninth Symphony. I think he had the same the same issue with the fifth, actually, uh, at least according according to those dubious uh, memoirs. But see, I, I I think Volkov is faithful. Oh, you do. I think Volkov is faithful. I think testimony can be believed. Yes, yes.
0: This is for for. Uh, you sh- shouldn't keep people in the dark. we're talking about. Um, is it S- uh, Simon Volkov? Solomon Volkov. Solomon Volkov, yeah. uh, who who wrote. Um, Wrote this book, testimony, which he asserts is the uh, memoirs of Shostakovich, uh, largely based on interviews with the composer, and then um, all the notes that he that he took for it mm-hmm.
1: sort of disappeared. Well, I think Shostakovich might have might have used Solomon away. I know him, by the way, He's a friend of mine. Oh, really? Uh huh. Well, then I should uh, retract no, 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 it all. No, 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 it's quite all right. It's quite all right. Uh, he's he's used to it. Believe me. <laughs> and and I think Shostakovich may have used him for particular purposes. But of um of Solomon's uh, basic rectitude, I have no doubt.
0: That I will agree with. I and I I think he paints in, a very faithful portrait of the composer.
1: In any case, the fifth symphony is, it is a great fifth, mm. big, mighty, it immortal is. fifth. And the ninth is, is Mozart symphony. Yeah. It? It's a, I don't mean to trivialize it, but it, it's a classical with a capital C symphony. And uh, it's um has charm. Yeah. I think I have one more item at Carnegie Hall. We mentioned Hilary Hahn's playing of this uh, Bernstein serenade for violin and orchestra. Uh, and Jamie Barton, the American Mezzo, is giving a recital in this yes. is an interesting program. she's a fantastic recitalist. Just great.
0: Um, I think I had uh, Yeah, I think I had one more as well. Um, George Lee. I mentioned that. Uh, yeah. so he he was the one who played the First piano concerto on that uh, Prokofiev binge that I was talking That's about. That's a
1: young person's concerto. It's written by a young man, and it's often played by young men. And it's full of adrenaline and racing testosterone. And George Lee is, is a young
0: person. He, um, he was the winner, uh, gold medalist, I think, of the, um, of that Tchaikovsky competition, I think at, like, the age of 17 or something. Or no, he came in second in the piano division, uh, but he was a 17-year-old undergrad at the uh, New England Conservatory. Um, And he's giving a solo recital in Weill Hall, Haydn, Chopin, Rachmaninoff, and some Liszt. Just a straight-up piano program that should be a lot of fun.
1: Where do you want to go next?
0: Well, I guess the Met's the last big one that we haven't gotten to. Right. Um...
1: I have a short list,
0: yours may be longer. I I have a medium length list, I would say.
1: Well it starts with Norma. Of course. In the title role the great Sandra Radvanovsky.
0: Yeah. The season starts with Norma Monday night.
1: Yeah. Great Joyce Didonato. Mm hmm. And in, in the role of Pollione, the Maltese tenor, the golden voice tenor, Joseph Kalea. Famous enough
0: as the Maltese tenor that he appears in uh, Maltese airline commercials. Oh, does
1: he? Yeah, there's a, there's a very good one. There's a Maltese airline. Apparently. Huh. I'll be damned. Then I have Levine and Mozart, Magic Flute. Levine and the Verdi Requiem. Yes. I'll, I'll just tell you one of the peak musical experiences of my whole life was a Verdi Requiem conducted by Levine in in Carnegie Hall many, many years ago something happened there was something weird in the air that night it was um pretty much perfect and, and unforgettable and people were reluctant to leave the hall they were sort of milling around slightly dazed and talking about it or just soaking the atmosphere It was one of the odd it was an afternoon it was one of the oddest most wonderful most powerful performances of music i've ever heard and i can't quite name the whole quartet but i think it was it was Fleming. I can't remember the tenor. Uh, the Met, it was Fleming. I believe Borodina. I can't remember the tenor and Renee Papa. Well, I, I want
0: to highlight one of the singers here. Actually, um, the the Requiem. I I feel like people really think of this soprano and the tenor parts. I mean those those are the those are the two vocal parts that have all of the uh, all of the highlights that that people really remember first. Uh, but the base for this performance is Ferruccio Ferlanetto, the, uh, the, the incomparable, the, the, I think you've referred to him as the King Philip of our time uh, in Verdi's Don Carlo. Uh, earlier in his career, he was an absolutely smashing laparello in Don Giovanni. Um, and he's just got one of the great bass voices around. And I think he, he could really give a performance
1: to remember. I agree. Um, it's also true that he's a basso cantante, hmm. and um, usually that kind of bass does not sing this music. There's still a lot of Mozart for Lennetto, but look, he's a great, great Verdian, as you said, a great, great Verdian, and I would, you know, hear him cough, <laughs> love him, love him.
0: Going back just a second to uh, to Norma, uh, there's a second cast. So Radvanovsky, by the way, sang. Uh, has sung Norma at the Met before to yeah. rave reviews. Uh, and I think Kalea was in that cast as well, yeah.
1: if I recall. But there's a second cast. You know what he told me in an interview this summer? He said it's a boring-as-hell role. Really? Boglione, yeah. He does it well, but, you know, it's just, I, just, a, just a contract.
0: Does he Does he do anything to, to sort of mitigate that, or does he just uh, well, take his paycheck
1: and go? It, it's... But it's really an opera for Norma and Adalgisa. Well, yeah. Let's face it; you know the tenor is barely worth mentioning. I mean, you, you, you talk about Norma, you talk about let's say Callus and Stignani. I can't even tell you who the tenor is in that <laughs> recording, and I don't care.
0: Yeah. Well, they're doing a second, uh, a second. Or Sutherland and
1: Horn. Who's the tenor? Who cares?
0: Yeah. Uh, starting December first, Angela Meade and Jamie Barton, I think, will be a really, really good pairing. Yes, I, I agree. Now it's a new production by David McVicker. It, it looks to be a very sort of dark, gloomy, but also sounds very like yeah. Sounds like McVicker. Dark Scottish
1: Macbethy production he does
0: right. Dark, gloomy, um, but also
1: it's it's going
0: to be Druids in the forest. So
1: yeah, good. So you have that at least. Good.
0: <laughs> uh, one of the production photos actually, um, it's a it's a picture of a model of the set, and it's got this uh, amazing. Um, sort of thatch work, what do, you, what do you call those big kind of round uh, buildings that they had in continental Europe? And,
1: Don't know. Uh, Don't know. I can picture it though.
0: Yeah, I, I can't think of the name. Um, sort of the equivalent of a, of a, uh, a wigwam or something. As, I was to say, sounds kind yeah. of Iroquois or something. Right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, I left it off the T on Turandot. <laughs> um, there's a Boam in the fall, as there always is, one of the Mimis is Anita Hartig, who I she hasn't really been given a, a super starring role at the Met yet, but for me, she's one of the great uh, Puccini sopranos that they have on a regular basis. Mm. Um, I heard her I debut. Recall in, hearing her. I, I heard her debut as Mimi, and it was one of the one of the best mimes that I've heard at the Met in the past few years. Uh, she also. Sings uh, regularly as Liu in Turandot, and just rings every bit of pathos out of that role.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, she, when when she sings that role, she's the heroine. Uh, there's this new uh, new opera by Thomas Addis, Getting back around to him, the Exterminating Angel, uh, based on a well-known film by Luis Bunuel. Uh, stars Audrey Luna, who, if you recall, The Tempest from a few years ago. Uh, she she was the coloratura who sang that uh, sort of freakly, freakishly high part written for... Um, oh, what's, the, what's the... Ariel? For Ariel, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, we'll see. I like Odessa's music quite a lot. And I think you weren't so quite so high on The Tempest as I was, but I but I thought there were parts of that score that were... Really stunningly beautiful.
1: Yeah. Well, I reviewed The Exterminating Angel when it premiered in Salzburg. Hmm. I admired it very much. I'll never see it again, ever. Really? Um, it's not for me. It's so horrifying. It's uh, surreal and, and, and sick. And I hated every minute of it. Yet I admired it. Um, I admired it for what it is. It, it is not for me. But it's faithful to the story, certainly. Hmm. Yeah, I just found it repellent. But um, it, it's obviously the work of a, of a superb mind, uh, namely Addison's.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll probably love it if it's if it's uh, if it's as dark as you say. I, I'm
1: interested uh, to see what you think. It's not just dark. It's um, it's sick. It's perverted. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a psychological thing. You know, it's got everything cannibalism the whole nine yards
0: well i guess i'll know in october yeah yeah cannibalism right in time for halloween October (laughs) 26th yeah there's a thais Hmm. didn't somebody in your in your uh, audience poll suggest thais
1: not just somebody
0: it was martin Bernheimer. oh my goodness yeah (laughs) yeah that's funny so so in the uh in this blog post which you should look up it's a lot of fun jay sort of masked everybody and now he's unmasking all of us yeah <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> the term unmasking
1: is in the air. That's right. Yes.
0: Uh, well, so Thais which Martin Bern- Bernheimer hates, um, and I, as a, I sort of consider myself a Massenet apologist to some degree. Yeah, me too. Even even I would say that Thais is it's not my favorite Massenet opera, but of course, as a violinist, I'm required to worship the meditation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it really is one of the great uh, one of the great solo excerpts in the in the operatic repertoire. And I recall that when they did it with Renee Fleming a few years ago, it's the only time I've ever seen a, uh, somebody from the pit called up on stage for a curtain call. Mm. They, uh, they gave David Champ his own moment in front of the curtain, which was pretty nice.
1: Yeah, I should say.
0: So this year, the, the cast is going to feature Eileen Perez in the title role of fabulous young soprano. Um, Gerald Finley, Jean-Francois Bourras, who I think he's only sung Massonet at the Met, actually. He made his debut covering for. Um,
1: oh, yeah, Jonas Kaufmann. For Jonas
0: Kaufmann and Voltaire. That. And then did a few performances of it last year that were, I thought, quite good.
1: Uh, the only one left on my list is the Tosca. Mm, of course, New Year's Eve. With um, this really very special, mm. charismatic she Bulgarian is. soprano, yeah. Sonia Yoncheva. And the golden-voiced uh, Victoria Grigolo <laughs> as Cavaradosi. And uh, the, the Scarpia of Bryn Turfell, So,
0: Sir Bryn Turfle.
1: Sir Bryn. So what's not to like? Yeah. Well, who knows about the production? But.
0: Well, it's it's also David McVicker. Ah. And, uh, and <laughs> from everything I've seen, uh, of course, there was that beloved Zeffirelli Soska there for years, directed by Franco Zeffirelli. And it was replaced by... Uh, by a new production by the late, uh, what was his name? Bondi. Yes. Did yes. he die? He did. He mm-hmm. died. Uh, died about a year ago. I Luke think.
1: Bu- Bondi? Luke Bondi. Luc Bondi. His father was a wonderful, brave, anti-communist journalist in, in Europe. I believe, Francois Bondi. Huh. Well, he. It's interesting
0: you say so because he, he constructed a Tosca that sort of looked like a um, Soviet office building. In some ways, it was. It was very bleak. Uh, just not very good, unfortunately. It was maybe... I would say it might be the... Well, oh, there's that ring. But it might be the single most hated production of the Peter Galbera. I mean, it, it got universally panned. It, it's been booed by audiences basically every time it's been seen. It's still Tosca. Yeah. But at any rate, so uh, so they've hired uh, David McVickard to... Uh, to direct a new one, and from all the production photos I've seen, it looks remarkably like the Franco Zeffirelli one. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. A Palazzo Farnese that actually looks like the Palazzo Farnese.
1: I see you have a, a Figaro I on do on your list
0: because this is this is one of those those pieces that I I don't love all. This is heretical. I don't love every Mozart opera. I might go so far as to say that, with the exception of Bach. I don't really have much taste for anything before about 1780, or say uh, not- of course, is after 1780. But there is not a bar of that score that I do not absolutely love. I love the recitatives in say. it is so good, uh, and they're they're reviving the Richard Eyre production that I think is really charming. It's it's swift. It's it's nimble. Those uh, those horrible brief pauses that flash up on your title screen that turn out not to be so brief—they're about thirty seconds. They're just enough time for the orchestra to retune. It's it's a it's a quick, fun evening. It's a funny production, and I it, I want to highlight it every time it comes.
1: Well, it's funny you should mention this. Your 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 quite just reverence for for the Marriage of Figaro because in the Great Performers series. I singled out uh, a performance of the Mrs. Solemnis just because it's the Mrs. Solemnis, uh, Beethoven's Mass in D major. Hmm. It's with the um, the Swedish Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Thomas Dousgaard, uh, with soloists and the Swedish radio choir and so on. But that's really not my point. My point is that it's the Mrs. Solemnis, and I think it should be heard whenever one can hear it and the other the other item I have from great performers is the recital of Conrad Tao, a brilliant young man, another pianist who, like Trifonnov, like Mark Andre Hamlin, rolls his own, he is a composer of music and has been uh, since his teens, maybe even before that. And he's um, an extremely talented person, extremely. Do you have anything uh, from great performers? No, great performers. I knew when
0: I was putting together my notes that there was something that there there was some institution that I was forgetting. That was the one, and that yeah. was the one. Although I've just realized, so I actually, both of us. yeah, I don't have any. Uh, I didn't make any notes on CMS, the Chamber Music Society, either, which is a real shame because I
1: actually love their programming.
0: I I I, I might look it up. I went there. through it.
1: Oh yeah, I went through all it. All right, well, I'll trust your yep. judgment then. Yep. Well, I I I I don't have any to highlight, uh, but oh, no. it's all solid. Okay, It's all solid. I did, I did want to highlight something for a particular reason from the 92nd Street Y. Hmm. I thought Don Upshaw, the American soprano, was done. Done with her career. <laughs> she is appearing with a Brentano string quartet singing uh, your man uh, Respighi," a piece for a <laughs> string quartet and soprano. And the Schoenberg Quartet Number 2, that work that launches a, a new era, uh, uh, an era of, uh, well, we used to call it modernity. Uh, I feel the air of a different planet. Mm. So uh, Dawn is coming back. and I'm very, very curious. I don't know how old she is. I don't especially care. I thought she was finished. But when I saw her name, I thought I didn't know what decade I was in. So um, I'm very curious.
0: I I heard her a few years ago in don't Boston. You yeah. Really? Huh. Uh, it was that Sibelius, that, that strange Sibelius piece for soprano and orchestra Luanotar it's this uh uh finnish folk tale and there were moments there were moments where she was dawn upshaw Mm -hmm. and you know then there were moments where you hear the 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 wear of a great career on the voice yeah yeah i think she teaches a lot she she heads up the vocal department at uh at tanglewood i think
1: oh tanglewood Mm -hmm. music center she has sung there since she was a child virtually
0: uh, and I've got uh, I've got something from the 92nd Street Y as well. What oh you got, uh, Jeremy Dank recital. Mm. He's playing Mozart, Prokofiev, Beethoven Sonata Number Thirty, Schumann Symphonic Etudes. I think he's one of the smartest pianists playing. You know, I, I I've heard performances of his where he misses a note here and there, and and you really don't care. There's there's such a and intelligence behind his playing you you feel like he really understands the piece and he's communicating his understanding of the piece to you he also writes great program notes there are there are performers who try to do their own program notes and it, it you know sometimes comes off a little um maybe i don't know if sappy is the right word but it's the word i'm going to use jeremy dink really knows his stuff and is able to to write a note that really teaches you something about the piece and teaches you something about the way that he hears the piece.
1: Hmm. Of course, better to show it through playing. Better
0: to show it through playing, and he does. Yeah, good. He does. But I I do like a performer who really can give that kind of perspective uh, and and is willing to do it and does it well.
1: Well, I look forward to reading you, my friend, as always. (laughs)
0: Likewise.
1: Likewise. Do we... We got anything uh, left here in the tank?
0: I have... uh... I have one thing at BAM, the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Uh-huh. It's a, a new opera by um, his, uh, a composer named Matthew O'Coin. I believe he was a rehearsal conductor or rehearsal pianist at, at the Met for a few years. And, and he's written a, the Civil War is much in the news as well, a sort of a Civil War opera. It's called Crossing, and it's based on diaries of Walt Whitman from when he was volunteering as an army nurse, which of course produced some of Whitman's uh, most memorable poetry as well. Mm. So that could be very interesting. Sure could. You also have city opera. I do have city opera. Well, they just did a fanchula. Right. Uh, We we sort of missed that. It was was good. Mm -hmm. It wasn't great. I'm not sure that piece is... The best Puccini. The best Puccini. No, there are
1: great things in it, but I agree. there are great things in it. Yeah. But
0: uh, one Kelly of the greats. Can
1: you believe it? That the brief tenor. Yes. Is yeah, right brief at the end. Tenor arms. Uh, La Junta Soledad. One of the, six the mini. Yeah. One of the, the the great things about
0: it is uh, is hearing Puccini. Uh, grapple with this American Italianized Indian. American uh, American Italianized American libretto, sort of. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it opens with lots of "Hello, Nick" and uh, "Duda, Duda Day." We well, has some of that in Butterfly too. Yeah, right? that's Do-da. true. Yeah, yeah. America forever.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. Um, Apparently, Howdy was a bridge too far for him. There's, there's no Howdy anywhere in the libretto. Oh, really, <laughs> I found kind of odd. If, you know, if, you're, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna put Doodah Duda into the libretto, wh- why not Why not Howdy and
1: Partner? You know that Earl Wilde wrote the Duda Variations. No you know, variations on Stephen Foster's Camp Town Races. He called it the Duda Variations. Brilliant, mm. brilliant
0: thing. I'll I'll look it up. Mm.
1: But they're also doing a, uh, a
0: another new opera. The operas by Tobias Picker, conducted by Pasi and Matsugati. Dolores Claiborne, after the novel by Stephen King.
1: I just can't get over the fact that this conductor's name means cat killer. <laughs> Mazzagotti, <laughs> cat
0: killer. That, that has been, that has been uh, observed before. Oh my gosh. It's not a sort of. Not, not something it's kind you, of exciting. It's kind of exciting. It's also uh, not a sound you want coming out of the pit. The, the sound oh, well, the yeah, yeah that's a good point. There's a good um, point. Uh, so Dolores he's a Claiborne, guy,
1: is it a novel by Stephen King? It's a novel by Stephen
0: King. Have you ever read it? I've not. I understand, though, it's, it's the one where uh, it's it's unusual for him because it's it's kind of just continuous narrative. There are no chapter breaks. There's hmm. just one long monologue, which will be interesting uh, operatically. A, operatically yeah. should be a through opera. Yeah, that. right, yeah. A, th- a through opera for soprano. Yeah, um, I don't think that's what it is. Um, uh, I think there are other vocal parts. However, uh, again, Maiko hasn't put up a cast list, so I can't tell you who's in it.
1: I'm glad City Opera's back in business. Yeah. They perform a service. Uh, they show us operas we otherwise wouldn't hear. Uh, not just new operas, but old operas that have been gathering dust. Yeah. I appreciate City Opera a great deal. For example, I'm, I'm sure you were first in line for the Respighi opera season or two ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but they And they also do...
0: They actually do really, occasionally, very good performances of some standard rep stuff. I mean, they did a... Remember that double bill they did? It was kind of both sides of the coin. They did that double bill of... of Aleko. Yeah, yeah. Aleko, yeah. Which was very good.
1: And then something common.
0: Right? Uh, Padiachi. Oh, yeah, right. And it was a... F- I did not expect to hear a Pagliacci that good,
1: I'll be no. honest.
0: It was a very good tenor I've never heard of, a very good soprano
1: I've never heard of,
0: a very good baritone I've never heard of.
1: Yep. Listen, I've, I've said my whole career, not everyone worthwhile is famous, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's absolutely true.
0: Well, have you got anything else, or is that a rap? Are we doing rap now? Oh. Wah-wah. That's a rap. Great to
1: see you, Eric. Always a pleasure. I'm a huge fan of Thanks huh. for your Simpsonness. <laughs> I,
0: I uh, I'll try never to turn it off. Well, thank you so much, Jay. It's uh it's always a always a pleasure to sit down and do this twice a year. Maybe we should just do it more often.
1: Let's consider it.
0: Yeah, a podcast of of worst pieces by great performers For great great composers, perhaps. Otherwise,
1: I'll see you. Uh, I guess in January.
0: Yeah, um, and on the aisle, no doubt. So you'll, you all will hear from us uh, more in January. And, of course, you can read Jay every month in The New Criterion with his uh, New York Chronicle. And you can read The New Criterion online, newcriterion.com. You should look for our October issue in just a couple of weeks. Until then, thanks for listening.